There, it's starting to record now. <laughs> okay, good evening, people. Uh, we're just having a little chit-chat and laugh. Uh, it's nice and cold today, and we're glad we're having uh, an opportunity to present uh, our podcast, our, our bi-weekly or week-to-week. Week or trying to do it weekly. We're trying to do weekly, but it's hard to line everything up. And uh, we do summer, summer and fall is over, winter is here. And uh, I'm pretty sure that it's going to, the first snowfall is going to fall up here in the great Pacific Northwest, even though California is on fire. Is it still on fire? Last I checked, yeah. Is that why all those Californians are running this way? Well, just remember that two weeks ago, there was all that smoke. Yeah, during that, we were talking about it during the last podcast. We, we did get a lot of smoke up here. Yeah, so uh, that and uh, seems like the Midwest is getting really cold from everything I've been uh, hearing about my father-in-law shout out to john speckman has been always enforcing me about the weather so thank you for that john if you're listening and uh now watch out for those yetis yeah because after what willie told me about bigfoot (laughs) i don't want to know what yetis are going to do to you so watch out for them mostly hanging out you know uh near bars you know where there's a lot of a lot of people who uh, don't know how to handle their drink (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so uh Stay away from those uh, truck stops and uh, those uh, wild bars, you know, near the seedy parts of town. Um, and so... Which to- reminds me, the Yakima just opened up their trucker showers. I heard that on the radio the other day. And I was just thinking, trucker showers, Yakima? Does, is that going to mix well? I don't know. Is that, gonna, is that code for something? I don't know. Joel John, if you're listening, is that code for something? Yeah. Really weird. Yeah, like uh, just like how they used to be uh, <laughs> rest stops, you know, or used to be the meet place for for uh, clandestine meetings between people, you know. Uh, yeah, as presented in something about Mary. I don't know if you. Or, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, just get, just tell the officer you're going to you're going pee. Yeah, my uncle was a truck driver, and so was my grandfather. So, yeah, so that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> So tonight's episode, uh, probably going to be a duel. Um, Coyote had a great topic um, that would lead into uh, rituals of the world that uh, to pertain to faith. Uh, um, out far and wide, uh, many people believe that if you, uh, per, you commit yourself to certain, uh, cert, you know, certain uh, rituals in your belief system, that you will be granted. Perhaps maybe a vision of the future, a vision of faith, or granted uh, some blessing in your life, like an oracle, basically. Yeah, or some to come to some deeper understanding of the universe and of God, um, or of just the year to come. I mean, yeah, yeah, I love that one that you brought. Uh, you sent me. Um, I'm not kind. Of, I'm gonna. Well, there's a video game, it. a video game named after it. I mean, yeah, there's, right. yeah. there's, 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 there's no butchering because. It comes in so many shapes or form, but it's called the Year Walk, and it's the game is called the Year Walk, named after what they actually do participate in in Sweden, which is called Arskang. It actually has a bunch of different names for the different villages, and it's actually could be considered a custom. I don't know if it's a ritual because it really doesn't pertain to religion, because all the people that practiced it were Christian at the time, and if they still practice it, they're Christian. But what they do is they go to a churchyard on Christmas Day, which Christmas, people don't realize Christmas was the original New Year. Mm-hmm. And so they go on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, and they, they, they'd wait till it got really dark, and they'd make sure they're really alone, and they'd do this thing called Wittershins. Well, I guess in English it's called Wittershins around a church, meaning you're going counterclockwise, and you go around three times, and then you'll get a vision of the new year to come people the people who are going to pass away usually you're going to see a funeral procession well talking about it we get an alarm from the back <laughs> that's the um that's the secret sign that our dog gives off when he wants food <laughs> but anyway that's besides the point um so the person who goes on the year walk they're called the year walker They'll, if you actually play the game, it's a, it's a mobile game. That's how I actually found you know found out about this little folklore. These these guys 
made the game based on this old custom that used to be practiced. And you play the game, and the game's a little more graphic and kind of scary. It's really cool, but it's the original year walk is not scary. There's no, there's nothing really crazy. They just see like usually a funeral procession. There's something called the church grim. That's usually takes the form of a black dog or, uh, or some other kind of shape or form. But other than that, it's just usually an or an Oracle in a way seeing the future. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting though that, um, how many cultures kind of have these kind of similar things that they practice? And, sure. and the reason I like the year walk is just because it was scary. It's like the, the actual game's scary. The concept is kind of weird. I mean, I've, I've done things when I was younger. Like we did, used to play this game called you go and it's, we, it had no name. So it was one of those things that had no name. And I was, and I was reading a little bit more about the year walk. They call it year walk, but originally it was one of those things you really didn't have a name for. You just did. Um, we would go, yeah, we'd play a game in the orchards, and the orchards, some of them would, would the the branches would intertwine and cross-section with each other to such a great degree, and there's these huge rows. Um, this was over in Jones, off Jones in, in Wapato. But there's these huge, big, long rows, and at night it gets so dark out there you can't see nothing. And we'd dare each other to walk down these roads and they'd get really dark, 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 like the forest because the branches are obviously blocking out all any starlight. So you'd walk, 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 walk. Beer can road. Well, yeah. And then the thing is, is, well, we weren't drinking, but the thing is you had to walk back. There's no running back and you'd be surprised how many guys booked it back. Yeah. The the darkness would get you. And for... Uh, our our audience to, out there in Switzerland or <clears throat> Sweden, I believe. Um, please, please uh, uh, forgive us if we're butchering any of these names, uh, and we mean uh, nothing disrespect for. Uh, we have the highest regard for other people's cultures. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we're we're those kind of Americans. Well, I, well, I was watching a YouTube video. I guess there's nothing against. It. I was I was watching a top tens. I like watching the top tens. This guy was talking about. Yosemite, and I was like, "No, that's Yosemite, bro. It's not Yosemite." <laughs> Are you Canadian? Uh, yeah, uh, I was re- uh, reading a bit about uh, what a coyote was uh, sent me. And yeah, that's the Netherlands. There's there's some listeners in the Netherlands, France, Brazil. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. And so some of our um, some of our uh, <clears throat> research was kind of some of the research I was uh, looking at, and some of the ones he sent me was uh, had reg- with regards to this, and I found just a little bit on it, and uh, seems like it was it, it was a kind of a personal thing for everybody who undertook this uh, the, this ritual. Oh and yeah, I, you, you, there's another thing too. You couldn't eat, you couldn't drink. I forget. Mm-hmm. There's other things like. Yeah, but you know, this this time of year is always weird. This, this time of year is always weird. Uh, my, you know, I've been told that uh, when it starts getting cold outside, the spirits like tend to move indoors. They don't like the cold either. Yeah. So uh, it seems to seem it seems to pr- pretty much correlate with uh, everything that's in uh, with the new year. Um, well, that's why they 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 new weather they, they undertook in the year walk too is because they believed that that was this it was called it was it's referred to as liminal space when the 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 space between the living world and the dead world becomes smaller more openings Eli yeah, kind of like that I like that uh, I don't know if you ever read read that story uh, knobs knob uh, knobs in is by Stephen King. He was in uh, his one uh, book, book series, Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Oh yeah, and they had it on the on the TV show where they were they explained how in some places in the world there uh, is a thin space uh, you were able to break through like bubble, you know, and you're able to go through the other side where there the, the where our place touches their world, you know, the other yeah. side and uh, different dimensions where the other beings live. You know, um, which wherever you made a, a column, whether it's uh, you know uh, demons or ghosts or spirits, you know whatever you want to call them, sprites. You know, in English, they, the fae. yeah, they 
call them goblin, you know, goblins or, uh, <clears throat> you know, a lot of stuff that p- pertains in like giants, you know, things like of that nature. Well, it's, it's really, really weird you're talking about that because I was thinking, what is it? Um, I was reading a little bit more about the the year walk and how Shakespeare he has two plays, Midsummer's Night's Dream <laughs> and Twelfth Night, and what what are they both about? You know, kind of kind of just strange things. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, I really like the portrayal of how he uh, did Midsummer's Dream and uh, Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman uh, wrote a, a real good version of that in Sandman. Yeah, in Sandman. Sandman presents. I think I like his version the best. That was uh, re- that was really good. And uh, there was that movie with Calista Flockhart. That was my introduction to Midsummer Night's Dream. Was that was that movie? Who played Puck? That's what I want to know. Oh, there was that. Uh, Guy who was a uh, who was in uh, Madonna's movie. And that's I guess that's besides the point. Ruther Everett, R- Rupert Everett, uh, Rupert Everett, Everett. Yeah, Everett. Everett. Yeah, that's his name. Yeah, he was a he was a prominent actor back in the nineties. English actor. Uh, he did something with Madonna, where he played a gay man who fathered her child or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't ask me. It was yeah, any I, movie with Madonna in it was weird. I mean. Probably not worth even watching, I bet. I had to endure it over and over again because my sister and my mother were big Madonna oh. fans. Shanghai Surprise, I actually had to sit Figures. through that. Yeah. So, um, no, and I didn't do it willingly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was either easier than that or go sit in my room for two hours, you know. So, you know, watching Sean Penn was trying to <laughs> trying to carry that movie was, was very... Yeah, uh, I forgot he was completely in that. That yeah. was probably one of those things that could have almost ruined his career. I bet <laughs> she wanted him to do it, and that was their uh, first and only movie together, if I remember right. Besides, uh, I think I think he did a small cameo in um, her uh, biography, her documentary movie. Um, I, don't, I can't remember the name of that. Yeah, Blonde Ambition Tour or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who cares? Anyways, getting back to what we were thinking about, uh, similar. That's uh, one example of how they do, uh, vi- you know, seeking of enlightenment in in uh, that part of the world. Or, or, or a glimpse into the future. There's, I mean, oh. there's there's a lot of different rituals people do to find different things. I mean, it's just just the number is, is amazing. I couldn't find out. The exact name for the ritual. I don't even think it has one, but there were, I don't know if you recall watching Breaking Bad and they were introducing the twin cousins. And at the beginning of the episode, they got out of their Mercedes and then, and then they got on the ground and they started crawling on their belly and their, you know, hands and elbow, uh, their, their elbows and their knees to go to a shrine of uh to uh ask for a blessing f- for them to uh do a hit on heisenberg um it's an actual that's real and uh it's a it's a tenement of the catholic uh faith down there in mexico it was something that has to do with the spirit uh the cauldron of guadalupe i'm probably butchering it i'm probably getting it wrong but that is uh one of the tenements uh, or not one of the rich uh, things they do to prove their faith um, is they crawl on their hands and you know on their belly in yeah. some in some places you know in uh, towns not in just one place they prostrate themselves and hopeful in hopes of like getting like some kind of favor or good luck or fortune yeah there was I remember I remember um, when I was a kid I saw uh, this episode Ripley's Bernat uh, believe it or not, there was this guy who wrote who walked the entirety of uh, across Africa, and the journey almost took him ten years because of uh, he had to um, he had to walk to a certain holy mountain um, shrine, and he was there to to do a prayer. And he was a holy man, and as a holy man, he was expected to do this. And when he was done, he got up. Wrapped up, uh, wrapped up his uh, prayer robe, put it back in his backpack, and he walked back. Wow, that's commitment. So ten years, you know, walking somewhere, and then ten years back, he, I think God might have <laughs> should have gave him a break and gave him, he got him a plane. I, I wonder if I wonder like when people do that if they actually 
get something. Like I was reading Paulo Coelho's book, what is it, The Pilgrimage? And it was one of his first books, and he talks about this pilgrimage he took in Spain and all these different things. I don't, it doesn't, I could never find anything saying if this was real or not, but like it sure as heck seems like it's like this real thing. And like he really, throughout the whole uh, of the book, he talks about these different rituals he, he practiced. And it sounds like a lot of it is like, and even he, he, at the end of each chapter, he, he breaks each ritual down. Like it's like it's broken down like in ritual magic form, like something like, not really Aleister Crowley kind of stuff, but more like lay Christian kind of like quasi like Key of Solomon kind of stuff. Not really even that, but not in that depth, but it's just weird. Like, so he goes on this pilgrimage of St. James in like Spain and from beginning to end, he like learns these different, uh, these different rituals from his guide. And by the end of it, he, uh, He's like inducted into something or some group or he's, he sees, you know, he gets that vision. It, it, it never really culminates into something really amazing or outstanding. So you never could really think, well, is it real or is it fake? Me, well, even in organized religion, there's a good example of uh, having to take a holy journey and that's the, in, 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 with Muslims. Yeah. In Islam, they have to, you know, perform the Hajj, which you know every Muslim, every able-bodied Muslim who's able to is to take the journey to uh, to Mecca, the holy city. And uh, for a lot of you who don't know, um, that's in Saudi Arabia, and <laughs> um, that is a obligation they're supposed to do. Every if you are have the means in your life. Uh, you are to you are obligated to go to to this city once in your life, just like every Catholic is expected to go to Rome. Yeah. Um. So, one or I mean the Vatican City. They go to that rock, don't they? There's like that rock. That, uh-huh. The I, I forget what it's called. Well, um, it's funny. I've seen so many documentaries. The one that big that mm-hmm. big rock in Mecca, and then they when they show videos of it, it's always weird because people are like. I forget they're circling around it, and then it makes me think still like kind of like you have to you have to circle around it seven times, and and uh, you have to uh, go there uh, every day that you're there for three days. Um, you're obligated to be there for three days, and you are to you know offer prayer. And people who are show up in wheelchairs, they get actually pushed around. Um, so the Saudis t- uh, are really into. Um, Welcoming um, uh, the Muslims from all over the world, foreigners who are not um, uh, are not part of the faith are not allowed anywhere near um, that temple, and uh, it's a it's a very uh, how would you say blasphemous to uh, take photographs without permission. And but the whole city itself is uh, is uh, pretty much built around the the tourism, or I wouldn't say the tourism, but the the people who are drawn there to uh, to come and worship. Um, there's people who are translate. There's people who hound at uh, Qurans. There's people out there who uh, manage an entire Wi-Fi system. I, I, I kid you not. Uh, to uh, um, have online discussions and to uh, bring up scripture, you know, online. And I thought that was really great. And uh, there's people who out there who pass out fresh water. There's people out there who uh, sweep and uh, mop the floors after everybody. Um, there's people out there who uh, who are like the concierges of you know for people who are from different countries, you know, um, and they totally are into the, the wealth of the Saudi family is for the the kingdom of Saud from Ember, right? They're the ones who are entrusted to um, watch over that um, that place in in this in that city Mecca. And have everything um, taken care of by them, and which they're able to because they're vast wealth from uh, from from oil. Um, there, the actual rock itself actually has a uh, um, these long uh, these long uh, shrouds that are written in uh, Arabic, and the actual lettering is done in a fabric that's actually made out of gold. That's gilded. Yeah. It's it's and it's made 
uh, they make it once every year. That's a fancy word for Eric. Gilded. <laughs> they they uh, tear it down and then they put a new one up that's especially uh, handcrafted by these uh, uh, guys who live inside this uh, or not live, but they they work inside this uh, this wing of uh, of uh, the temple where they are. That's all they work on all year is making the shroud from um, from. Uh, and that's from huge too, right? Hand. The the Kaaba stone. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah, and supposedly, um, I was calling it a rock. That's 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 wrong. I kept I kept thinking of something else I saw somewhere else. Probably it was a bunch of Buddhists going around a rock. No, I was thinking of that black stone, the Kaaba stone. They get three over three million visitors every. Uh, I believe, and that thing every, is every huge year. too, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, of course, uh, you know, the ancient aliens ex- explanation of what the Kaaba stone is. And <laughs> I would find that insulting if they were to say to something about that my, about my religion in that regard. Yeah. Uh, that you that's come. They don't want nobody going there with you know. That way, they'll be like, "You weren't here first. You were brought here by aliens." <laughs> Yeah, let's get rid of reservations. It was the aliens. You know? Yeah, it was the aliens. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, but the Kaaba stone is amazing. It's a, uh, it's an amazing structure. And there's only like uh, I believe like two or three people uh, or um, that are actually allowed to go inside. There's an actual doorway that's made out of gold, um, and you you are not allowed. Nobody's allowed to go inside except for uh, one one person. And um, there's actually places on the cobblestone itself where it, uh, it's been touched by so many people that they, the, it's actually been, um, some of the stone has been worn down. It's, uh, it's just, it's been around that long. And the people who've known anything about Islam, it's been around for the better part of over a thousand years. So. Yeah, it's been around for a long time. Now, whether you agree with, um, you know, with... Uh, you know, with some the extremist views or not, that's besides the point. You know, I mean, I'm not personally. I think, I think every religion has extremist views. Yeah. I mean, you read some of Rumi's work. He was, he was, he was, he was, yeah. he was, he was Muslim, and a lot of his stuff is not really. He talks about wine a lot. So, I have nothing against uh, Christianity, but it, they've had their extremists in the past. You know, um, some are, they, they still do. I mean, there's, there's, there, there. That's that's a human thing. It's not really. I mean, you could. That'd be like saying linking everything to a party. But but, but I was curious about Muslims is how they view because like in most Christianity, Hebrew, like those those, you know, Abrahamic a- Abraham, you know, lineage religions. They all <coughs> see like. Like an oracle is a bad thing, but it but it's kind of weird where like we can have a prophecy, but you really can't have fortune telling, you know. Yeah, I mean, so what, what's the difference between you know oracle like visions and for and uh, prophecies? Like, well, well, God's showing us something. Well, I guess I guess an oracle would be like, well, let's throw the, let's throw the bones, or let's uh, let's draw the sticks, or we're uh, we're casting lots. But then, but then you think about it. They cast lots in the Bible all the time too. That technically, that's that's like fortune telling. There's one other, uh, there's one other uh, ritual I've read about um, how they used to, uh, how some of the uh, native tribes back east, you know, like such as Algonquin, the the Cree, um, they would to uh, as a test of manhood. They would they would uh, um, have the young men. Uh, go out into the woods and live in the woods for a year, you know. And not only was that a a, a test of uh, their faith in in themselves, but also a, a test of how they uh, would trust in nature to um, you know to be a part of it and a part of the balance, the the the, the, the holy balance, where you are going to live in harmony with um, with nature itself, and have it you take care of it and be a part of it and it take care of you. Yeah, you know, and uh, it's very similar. How like I don't know if you, that was uh, how they uh, what the name for it was. It was when the Spartans used to do that to their children. 
um, when they like as portrayed in, in three hundred. That's a yeah. real ritual they used to do. Yeah. They'd send them out, you know, and be, you know, and have to they have to survive on their own for a year. I think a lot of cultures have practiced that, which which kind of makes you wonder. <laughs> Maybe that's the point of what college was at one time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To go out and learn. Go out and learn. But you're not really battling, like, the elements or gaining any strength. You're just kind of, like, slothing around thinking that you are. In safe spaces. Yeah. In safe spaces. Yeah. Real safe, controlled. The, the, the wild's different, though. I mean, people, it's an uncontrolled environment. I mean, the, the the wild, though, is safer in some respects than, though, a city. In the real world, yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's some people who are actually very comfortable being out in the, in the wild. I right? mean, there might be a bear, but you, you're in the city. How many manifestations of a wolf there is in a human being versus out in the wilderness? You know, there's tons of people who are willing to take advantage of other people. In cities versus you go into the wilderness, animals aren't like that. They more or less avoid you. I think uh, Chris Chandless best uh, portrayed that, you know, in when that part in the book where he goes back to the city finally and he needs a little money to try to get his, you know, to continue his journey. And he's on the precipice of getting a job and he turns it down. He'd rather, you know, rough it than, than, uh, Keep going to uh, try to get trapped in a in an occupation. Yeah, in an occupation. Yeah, so you know, bravo to him. You know, <laughs> but he's uh, um, he but he did he accomplished it. You know, no matter the end result, you know, him dying, you know, he still he yeah. still accomplished what he he under, he understood that there the trappings of civilization. You can't really show you who you are. That was, that was Chris. Was it Childress? Candless. Candless. Chris Chris McCandless. Yeah, McCandless, yeah. And he went, didn't he go move up to Alaska and tried to rough it in the woods? Yeah. By himself, and then he ended up dying of starvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he but actually. They, but because he was eating the wrong thing, though. He was eating potatoes, but he didn't know he couldn't eat those kinds of potatoes in that particular area because they just cause you to, to waste. Yeah, well, they, that's what I was reading about him, at least. That's what they thought he actually died from, because they found the potato. I guess an investigation, they found those potatoes, and they found, like, you really couldn't... If you ate the potatoes a lot, they would cause you to, what is it? Uh, you couldn't digest anything. It wouldn't... It wouldn't. It, 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 it was not... It, I mean, you get not really no nutritional value. I mean, but then it was... It, there was, like, this uh, toxin in it that was slowly paralyzing him, so he can He'd lose strength. Like mm-hmm. after eating so many of them, and uh, a lot of people, uh, I've read this recently too. Is if uh, the question being raised was, could he have saved himself? And uh, and it's not that hard to conceive that yeah, he could have walked himself out. But I think he he wasn't was, that far away from yeah. from from main roads and being saved. I mean. He was he was not that far from a, from what I understand from a ranger station. He was only like five six miles from one. Yeah. I can't remember the exact uh, what the article said, but he would have to have uh, walked around the long way. And uh, there was parts in the river that he could have forded. Um, and I don't know, you know, I can't speak to it, you know, because I wasn't there. Um, but there was people who uh, were in that area that could have saw any kind of signal fire if he would have had one. Well, didn't some hunters find him? Yeah, yeah, because he, you know, he did write, he did write on the win, uh, a sign on uh, on the bus that he was staying in. Yeah, yeah, you know, then they found his body. You know, uh, poor guy. You know, hey, you know, uh, he had to test himself against his and his skills against nature, and well, nature always wins. Yeah, nature did win that. Yeah, you know, sometimes you roll the dice, sometimes. <laughs> You get you come up with the hard six. And, well, that's yeah. that's the that's the thing. Going back to rituals too, like they see rituals as dangerous if you don't do them right. Like that's the same thing. You go into the woods if you're not going to do it right. You don't have the right knowledge. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. But if you know the wilderness and what you're doing, it's not dangerous. Yeah, uh, whether you be in a world culture or spiritual um, culture, you know, or um, intellectual culture you know uh you you would i think be better served by something that had a little bit of danger in it you know and not though 
you should you should just go ahead, get up and try it. You know, you definitely should try yeah. it. And uh, get some kind of skill first. Well, is it was it most young men join the military now? That's that's kind of like almost like a ritual, like a like. Well, those are those are be more like rite of passage rituals, not not rituals where you want prophetic visions. Whereas a more as a, I guess a year walk, you'd want prophetic visions on a year walk. I think possibly when we were walking through. The orchard in the freaking dark, that's what we wanted. We wanted something to happen. I mean, always when you're younger, you want something to happen. Like you want just, you like, you want to be given that, that special moment, but more than likely it never happens and you get ridiculed by your friends and that's just about it. So I was watching this YouTube video about these uh, people that were in the woods and um, they happen to be, they happen to have uh, some really good cameras on them, and they use their infrared um, filter to uh, film something that was crawling on its belly, you know, trying to um, come up around them. And because uh, it, uh, it kind of knew that it was, uh, it was discovered, and it was the creepiest thing. It, it, it was long, it was, uh, it was very good at hiding in the bushes. And it was quiet, and it was methodically slow, and they couldn't get an explanation. But they went back the next day, and they took uh, they took a, a cast um, of the prints, and you know that left very odd shaped looking prints, and they couldn't explain what it was. Uh, I was just trying to look for um, some uh, some some of the um, things that uh, people do around the world for what we were talking about talking about tonight so yeah things uh, like that can happen too like something will creep up on you well that's what i mean the the church grim is one of those things too yeah yeah usually a bad sign i've i've been trapped many a times you know in odd places in the middle of the night and i've had to walk i've had to walk home or walk to uh you know some somewhere's house somebody's house and being on those some of those roads at night in a in a pitch black Made me appreciate the handiness of a, of a flashlight. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I kind of oh I have this obsession with flashlights um, as an adult. I must have like ten of them. You know, um, you know, at work in my car, at home, different drawers. Yeah. You know, so uh, you know, I, I kind of like to try to have something that you know can illuminate because you're being stuck out in the middle of nowhere with no nothing, no light, and you hear that cr- something creepy in in the bush. That drops your ball <laughs> really quick, man. You well, that's when you're supposed to go investigate. <laughs> you're everybody's a tough guy till you know uh, you know something taps you on the shoulder and you know in the dark, and then then you you turn back to being six years old again. Unless, yeah, yeah. You know, I've seen, I've seen, I've met really strong tough dudes who went to prison and were gangbangers and they won't go anywhere near a haunted house you know they, you know that that's the one thing that uh, scares that scares them you know is, is that side of a of of the, you know of of the unknown world you know i've known people who uh well if you think about it, a lot of them are catholic and really religious too they're like really believe that there's evil spirits out there that are going to hurt them. <laughs> My favorite quote uh, when it comes to that something of that regard is uh, from uh, that that character Screwface in uh, um, in uh, Steven Seagal's movie. Uh, I think it was Hard to Kill. No, yeah. no, no, not Hard to Kill. Jeez. Uh, um, anyways, uh, the character he uh, quotes. Something uh, it must have been from um, from Shakespeare. Or somebody says everybody wants to go, everybody wants to go to heaven, but you know, but nobody wants to die. <laughs> you know, so I was like, it kind of it has a deeper meaning if you think about it, because you know people do tend to believe, you know, that they're you know they're meant to go to a different place, but they're afraid of the of the threshold of getting there. Afraid of the process. Yeah. And I always been told it's just a doorway. Well, I was I was listening to a guy talk today, and it wasn't about the topic, but it kind of relates to it. Because you're talking about liminal space, those those 
So this time of year, the space becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. So that's why a year walk. I'm advising people not to do it. Unless you're 18 years or older and you uh, can drive yourself home afterwards. And you're sober, too. That's another thing, too. You have to be sober when you do it. Um, So this guy was talking. He made a good point. I forget. Jack Cornfield. He was talking about just age and how uh, babies... Well, he was just talking about God, but he wasn't talking about God in like any, any. He was just talking about God as a, in a God sense, not like a, not like as in one religion. But he was like, you know, the other world, the spirit world. He was talking about God in the spirit, the spirit world, you know, because he's just one of those guys that believes differently than other people. But he's talking about how babies, when you're really young, you're a lot closer to that other world. Than other people are when you're really, really old, you're really close to the other world too. And it made a lot of sense too, because when you're young, you just came from something. And when you're old, you're going to go to something. He said, people like right in the middle, we think mortgages, mortgages are the, the reality of the world. You know, just we're, we're attached to this material, yeah, the material world. Yeah. And I've, yeah, I've heard the same thing. And that's why um, babies have the ability to see things that we don't. Yeah, and uh, I remember uh, hearing stories about how some of my older relatives, while they were in the hospital in their last days, were seeing people they that had passed on previously, and were waiting and beckoning them to come to the other side, and and walking them and telling them not to be scared and not to be afraid, and uh, that was a as a. That was, that was a way of rewarding their faith through their whole life. You know, I can't say that's what it was, but, you know, but it's what, you know, that's why you go to church and you know, it's why you go to longhouses to, you know, so those things become a little more closer to you in the end. Yeah. So you know the way, so you know the way after you pass and there you are, you know, you can. Well, when you think about it too, like we were talking about earlier, like, you know, from personal experience, I know a lot of people who are, when they're really young, they're really they seem more spiritual to younger people as they get towards middle age. We pretend to be spiritual, but we're not. But, but when you see a lot really, really older people, they're really spiritual people. Yeah. Like they're like, I think it's, it's almost like they're in touch with something else. I think age and experience gives you that perspective. Cause I saw my father go through that and he was, he, as he got older, he, he was like a, it was like a, it was like seeing, it was like seeing a Jedi turn into a master Jedi. You know, his his power just kind of like increased threefold. He was just like uh, every time he would, he you know, people were starting to be drawn to him naturally without no coaxing from anyone. He was just had that uh, ability to have people listen to him when because when he spoke, people sh- were quiet. And they stopped. And yeah, they, they stopped to listen. Got quiet. Mm-hmm. I think that just that doesn't that isn't age. That's that's something else. That's uh, the power of uh, your of your inner of your inner spirit. Yeah. And uh, the the actual you can be able to convey that to other people in you know in their, where they can, it touches their soul. You can almost feel that an emotion in, in a room when somebody who's of uh, who's got strong um, ability like that. You know, uh, not practice, but you know, something who somebody who've uh, who's uh, kind of groomed it. You know, we call it charisma, but it's something else. Mm-hmm. Some people have it naturally. Some people, it comes to them uh, with age, and you know, and uh, that's come. I think shamans, as they got older, that's come. They were always looked to as the ones to look for answers for, and a lot of times they did. A lot of times they did have those answers. You know. Yeah. So. Uh, there's just those different ways everybody approaches it in in, in, the, in the in the world, you know, you know. Testaments are a way to do it. Such so, so as a, I remember when I was a kid, I used to I read the story about how the, some of the Southwest tribes they would send um, their their kids out, and in the desert heat, and they would have them uh, have a uh, put them. Uh, make a drink of water and they would have to hold it in their mouth and then run across the desert 
you know, sometimes as far as 10 miles. And they'd have to spit out the exact same amount that they uh, put in their mouth at the beginning of their run. Wow. Yeah, and that would that would uh, help them um, strengthen their resolve to uh, continue something through, you know. And uh, that was a way for them to also uh, um, strengthen them up for, you know, for combat and for, you know, having that and uh, the drive in their head that they were going to, you know, whatever they set their mind to, they were going to, you know, go out and take care of it. You know, whether it be hunting, taking on the next tribe, you know, um, making sure that they spend their entire three days in a, in a ceremonial ritual. You know, because uh, those Southwest tribes, they really, uh, to this day, have a lot of that uh, closeness to uh, the earth. You know, I've uh, had... I've had uh, many testimonies from not not I couldn't name them all, but from some of those uh, guys I went to job corps with, you know, the Navajos and the Apaches, you know, um, they always talk about how the you know, you know, during their ceremonies, you know, some of their elders and their relatives were granted uh, visions of things that were were going to happen, you know, not only to the tribe but to the entire world. Yeah, yeah, and uh, how things are going to progress in the next. You know, uh, hundred years, and that was twenty years ago. <laughs> you know, for me, you know, hearing that stuff, you know, and then seeing and then hearing the exact same thing from some of my elders here in my tribe is very scary, eye-opening. But I also take it as something that's a reality that yeah. I have, I have to live with. You know, that some of the things, the prophecies they've made have come to pass, and it's scary. But the one thing that that's always been said is is that there's a chance for it to change if mankind as a whole decides to change. And the way things are looking now, I don't know. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's like almost a crapshoot with where humanity is going to go and um, having those kinds of visions. I think, you know, a long time ago people had visions so they could see who's going to die you know within that year and they weren't doing that to see they wanted to know what you know how the crop was going to do that year so they could prepare you know and I, and I think a lot of times we we take our our past and things like that for granted I, I feel like as, as a society we become more materialist and less spiritual in nature and I feel like even even religions are becoming more materialist a lot of them you know they're, they're thinking like you know, you you hang out. You know, I'm not calling out any church, but some churches will be like, "Well, the the fruits of our labor is money." Now, you're being a materialist. If if you if you're leaning on money, you know, I got to stick with David Ike when he's talking about money. Money is just fantasy. People don't realize it was taken off the gold standard in '74 or '76 by Nixon. You can't go to Fort Knox and get your gold for your money. Yeah, I mean, but money is money is you put your faith in money, which is really if you think about how money works, how it actually is, it's really weird. And it's when we become so materialist, we forget about this whole spiritual aspect of who we are. We were we were people who even even when they're doing the year walk, they're looking at the seasons, they're relying on the earth. And they're using old-fashioned means, even when they're still Christians, to figure out how are we how are we going to do this. If you look at even the modern farmer's almanac, it's still based on some of those old concepts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of like the way they uh, talk about this uh, about this ritual in uh, with the, amongst the uh, Aboriginals in Australia is how they talk about uh, the walkabout. Oh yeah, the walkabout. Yeah, that's I was really taken aback when I first heard about that. Sounds very similar to how we uh their their view of uh how they view nature and the world. Uh, very, very uh interesting. Um and I was I was like, wow man as a younger man I was kinda like, I had this uh, I had this dream of being able to go to uh other parts of the world and visit some of these tribes. You know, movie idea. Movie idea. There you go, Coyote. The dreaming yeah, um, how I, you know uh, Native Americans, we are you know very we're, we're 
my I was always, my mother always told me we're one of the very few lucky races on this earth because we're if you think about it there's like a race of us on every continent you know South America North mm-hmm. America Eurasia the the natives that live in uh, the backwoods of Russia Australia. Yeah. Um, some of the Papaguini um, um, natives that live in uh, Africa, you know, um, you know, everybody, every every continent has a tribe, and they all have a different belief of, it. and it's like um, my mother said that you know, all these tribes have different sense of each other, and uh, they almost share the same vision of what the world is. You know, like the Anyu in um, the Anyu in uh, Japan. Who've lived there and inhabited those islands for at least a couple thousand years, um, you know, longer than the Japanese. Their beliefs and some of their rituals and their in their culture very similar to the Western, uh, the West Coast natives in the, you know in, the, in I, right here in Seattle area. I think all the 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 more tribal people natives their the belief systems are more primal, mm-hmm. closer to. What 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 they were then, uh, say what the Irish used to be back, you know, you know, fifteen hundred years ago. The, the Irish still don't know if they're Protestant or Catholic, though. No, but it was like <laughs> John Trudeau worrying over that for hundreds of years. John Trudeau, he said, you know, if you look at them, uh, if you look at uh, all those Europeans at one time, they all were uh, different tribes. They all had their different beliefs in different, you know, and they lived in, they lived in harmony with, you know, with, uh, with their environment. And well, if you read, what, if you read the poetic Edda, the, the creation story, you know, about the Vikings, it sounds so similar to all kinds of different tribal people because they were tribal peoples mm-hmm. at one time, the barbarians of the north. Yeah, and there's a, and somebody uh, just decided to write their belief systems down, and you read it, and it's like, well. A giant wolf died, and its carcass became the earth, and whatever you know. It's it's it sounds really similar to a lot of other tribal stories. Yeah, it's kind of nice to think that uh, if uh, if uh, there was some Irish tribesmen from fifteen hundred years ago today, that they'd be they'd be very comfortable on the reservation around you know around here. <laughs> Except people would be looking at their red hair. <laughs> Very, uh, very nice thing to think of is uh, how uh, if they if there was different explorers from different uh, um, different parts of the world that uh, when it came to America or vice versa, such as uh, maybe if a Native American civilization civilization had been uh, able to cross the oceans and be able to discover to shake hands with the Aboriginals in in Australia. That would have been awesome, but I can't say for I can't say how that would have <laughs> turned out. But it would it would have been it would have been a nice thing. But so <clears throat> getting getting on to what else we were saying. Um, the other thing I was gonna do was a, a secondary a secondary uh, subject tonight was gonna be I was gonna say was uh, what I shared with you. Which you that that post you really liked about the, how maybe the Egyptians had dis- or uh, some kind of a Eurasian culture had discovered uh, the Americas and uh, had a settlement in the Grand Canyon. Oh yeah, yeah. The underground, the underground city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were there were uh, it was basically there's a theory how um, there was a discovery and I can't say that there's any proof of it. Except for um, some um, newspaper clippings from uh, was it 1925? Yeah, really early on. Yeah, where there was a uh, archaeologist that had uh, was in the Grand Canyon and had discovered that there was perhaps evidence of a higher civilization that um, lived in the Grand Canyon and perhaps uh, had had influences from um, India because apparently. He had uh, gone into a chamber where there was a big um, giant statue of Buddha. And uh, how some of the um, structures seemed to have been um, influenced by uh, Egyptian uh, by the Egyptian culture. 
And if you, they said if you look at some of the, uh, what they would, uh, what they're calling natural um, structures that are in the Grand Canyon, they seem to line up with uh, some of the star constellations that the Egyptians used to lay uh, some some uh, of the pyramids, like some of the pyramids. I, I think things just could become, things are older than we think, and they could suffer from erosion and just decay at such a degree, they start to look more natural than what they are and where they actually probably are man-made. Yeah, it, um, whether what happened to those people, you know, did they die off? Did they breed into the um, with the local um, population? Did they just get up and sail home and say, hey, you know, it's too hot here? Or? I think we could do a whole nother show on that. The lost civilizations and then the and then um, the Clo- yeah, the Clovis angle, yeah, because maybe that's who they were. Yeah, the Clovis people. But anyway, it's getting late. It's already almost eleven thirty. So yeah, um, so again, well, yeah, we're probably getting to that next week. Um, it's been it's been an interesting episode, and uh, better wind it down. Their dogs are looking like they're wanting some. Uh, yeah, they're going nuts, and it's hard to record with them on. And uh, I better get home before it gets too cold. Um, so, cue to outro music. Um, we got to find somebody who is a snappy writer who did this stuff for uh, for Art Bell's uh, for Art Bell's uh, outros. Oh, his outros. Yeah, I love those beasts. You know, those are awesome to hear. You know, at night. It was probably a flock of seagulls because that was from the. 80s and 90s i don't know so uh signing off uh good so uh signing off with uh coyote gunning here my co-conspirator and hopefully you'll come back to join us next week and uh please find us like us and join uh facebook fan page facebook fan group yeah and uh keep uh, um keep it out there folks keep, keep your eyes open keep, and keep your ears open oh, keep. and keep your eyes out for bigfoot keep looking for him yep he'll be fine Good night. Good night.